Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Last week, Will preached a very fine sermon about the loving judgment of God, and as I'm sure you all remember, he discussed how we should not deny God's judgment or fear God's judgment For the good news is that God loves us, and God's judgment is the very inbreaking of God's reign on earth. In today's gospel, Christ is judging again, and once again it would behoove us to take note, because we might be worthy of judgment again too. Jesus is journeying towards Jerusalem, and on the Sabbath day he finds himself teaching in a local synagogue. And in the synagogue, there is a particular woman, a woman who had been suffering from a debilitating ailment that made her unable to stand up straight. Now, this may sound like a very minor ailment compared to some encountered by Christ. Lazarus would have probably given his eye teeth to be hunched over rather than being dead. But scholars have diagnosed this woman with, and I apologize, medical people, fondylitis anocopetia. I probably severely uh, did disservice to that word. Uh, A severe childhood infectious disease that would have caused the spinal column to fuse and become so bent the victim is not only unable to straighten the back, but unable to raise the head. And yet there she is in the synagogue on this Sabbath day listening to Jesus. And Jesus, recognizing her situation, calls her over and says, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight. And into this celebratory scene enters Mr. Jovial himself, the leader of the synagogue. If our gospel had musical accompaniment, we would now abruptly switch to a minor key like a villain in a black hat sauntering into the saloon. This guy is a rule follower, a stickler for detail. And instead of rejoicing that this miracle had happened in their midst, Mr. Funpants over here makes a baffling announcement to the entire crowd. There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. In other words, that was very nice. Thank you, Mr. Jesus. Bravo, well done. But let's not forget that I'm in charge here. 
And that was against the rules, so that won't be happening again. Healings only occur during certain hours, so please come back later. He sounds like a bad customer service representative. I bet the pews were packed next week. Come to Mr. Grumpy's synagogue, where we worship the rules rather than the glory of God. So Jesus opens up a can of you-know-what on Mr. Rule Follower. <laughs> you hypocrites! Jesus shows remarkable verbal restraint here. I might have used more colorful language. You hypocrites! You give the donkey water on the Sabbath, yet you won't have compassion and celebrate with this child of God. In all seriousness, Jesus is rightly judging the leader because of an egregious misinterpretation of the laws regarding Sabbath. 99% of first century Jews would have understood the Sabbath very differently. Acts of mercy, acts of kindness were more than permissible on the Sabbath. And Jesus and the crowd knew that, and the leader should have known that. But not only is the leader scolding Jesus for not doing, for doing supposed work on the Sabbath, but in doing so, this leader marginalizes this woman. And that marginalization stands in stark contrast to the very reasons God established the Sabbath in the first place. Sabbath is about much more than rest. Rest is important, don't get me wrong, I love a nap. And as we transition from the lazy days of summer to the more frenetic pace of the school year, I will miss those moments of peace and relaxation. And God mandates such moments of peace. And they are not a sign of sloth, but the hallmark of a healthy life. For Sabbath is truly holy. But not only is Sabbath holy, Sabbath is for everyone. Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? We remember that from Sunday school. But God didn't stop there. God continues, you shall not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, the alien resident in your town. No one shall work, for the Sabbath is for everyone. The Hebrew people hearing these commandments in the desert in the Sinai, just having escaped generations of bondage in Egypt, would have recognized the importance of this distinction. That the holy rest was not just for some, for the righteous, for those in power, but for all of creation. And so by scolding Christ, this leader is not only grossly misinterpreting the law, but he is also blasphemously excluding this woman and denying her her right mandated by God to the holy celebration of the Sabbath. So where are we in this story? Are we the crowd marveling at the power of Christ? 
Are we the disciples cheering on our teacher as he rails against injustice? Are we the, are we the woman bent over by our own burdens awaiting God's healing mercies? Or are we the leader using rules and regulations, using tradition and fear of change to marginalize those unlike us? If we are honest, all of us, myself included, play all of these roles, including the one who would dare play God and declare who was in and who was out. For the good news today is that the good news is for all people. Not some, not the palatable, not the trendy, thanks be to God, not the blue or the red, not those in Starkville or Oxford or those waiting for basketball season, but for all people. And those who would behave otherwise are ultimately doomed to failure. For what does Jesus say immediately following today's gospel? What is the kingdom of God like, Jesus said, and to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. If we bring the good news to all people, if we throw open the chapel doors to these neighborhoods, to this county, to the world, and let them know that we want to pray with them and sing with them and break bread with them and do good works with them and baptize them as we will do in a few moments, then our tiny mustard seed will grow into a tree, a tree of might and import and honor. Our branches will be our people and our leaves will be the ministries we support. On our roots, firmly planted in God's radical love and hospitality, we'll dig deep and drink deeper. And our tree, our chapel, will be nothing less than the realization of God's most beloved dream, the inbreaking of God's reign on earth. Amen. Amen.